The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, your good word uh, to us. And we ask God that as we uh, tackle this difficult and explosive letter of St. Paul, uh, that you would um, explode in our hearts as well, that we would be filled uh, by your presence and your spirit and our devotion to you would, uh, would just increase, Lord. We thank you, God. We, we, we come, each of us, with our own story, our own baggage, uh, but we drop that at the door, Lord, and, and offer ourselves to you um, to, be, uh, to be interviewed by your word, to be um, known uh, and read by your word. We ask God that you would uh, just bless us and be present with us and teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I, I loved going through Epiphany and looking at this, the stories of some of the different saints. But I have to tell you that I am really glad to just be doing Bible study. That is, I feel much more my own personal bailiwick. Um, and I am glad to be in uh, Galatians. Uh, Galatians is a, is a great letter, and I particularly like Galatians in Lent, because St. Paul, um, put, he takes off both gloves uh, in, in Galatians, and it is a tour de force of gospel clarity, and, um, and it is unique among Paul's letters, as you, as you may know. All right, so what we will do uh, is we will read chapter 1, and then... Um, and then we'll, we'll kind of work our way through it, uh, and, and in fact, not exactly in order, uh, but we will, uh, I'll, 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 I'll guide you. All right, so here is the first chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. 
But when He who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son to me in order that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's uh, Peter, to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're just going to begin at the beginning with this. Um, But let me just give you a little context and point out that when Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. It was a very con- there's a lot of contention in those letters as well. But Paul greets them with uh, charity and um, a, a, an open spirit. The, the Christians in Corinth had all sorts of moral problems. They had a guy sleeping with his mother-in-law. Uh, they had uh, all I mean it was I mean that's uh, and 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 taking communion and it, and it was um, and, and they were they were just uh, sort of fading in. They were still coming to, to church and they were still worshiping the Lord, but they were, their lives were not distinct from the culture around them uh, morally. They were, they were, uh, Corinth was a very um, sort of a wild city and they had come out of that culture and they, their lives were not uh, evincing a whole lot of change. And Paul says, guys, come on, let's, you guys need to get it together. You know, the, the grace of God has some real implications in your life and that's the letter in Corinth. And, but in the letter to the Galatians, St. Paul, um, is, he takes the gloves off immediately because they've gotten their doctrine wrong. They're being too religious. They are adhering uh, to religious practice. Uh, and so, and, and whereas in Corinth, Paul says, guys, I mean, your, your lives, come on, let's get it together. <laughs> but they don't have their doctrine wrong, but they have their, their morality wrong. But in the churches in Galatia, they're mo- they are moral. They are trying to adhere to the traditions of their fathers. And, and Paul goes ballistic. I am astonished, he says. He doesn't mess around with the trivialities of, of, of I'm praying for you, I thank my God every time I remember you. He just says, grace and peace, what are you doing? <laughs> and it is, that is at, least, at the very least, is um, worth our attention. That doctrine is important. And it's important to St. Paul and the foundations, uh, the very foundations of our church. What we'll see as we go through this letter is that 
uh, Paul is addressing uh, the teaching that has come in after him. So he came through Galatia, that area, and planted churches there. He taught them the gospel, that Jesus has fulfilled the law and saved them from their sins, and that all that they must do is put their faith in this Messiah. And they're dead in Christ and alive in Christ. Right? The law has, um, uh, has had imprisoned us. The law reflects to us the fact that we are sinners and Jesus has fulfilled the law and set us free. People have come in after him and said, Paul meant well. But in order to be a true Christian, I mean, Jesus is important, but in order to be a true Christian, you must adhere to the traditions of the fathers. And particularly what they were, uh, they were advocating for it was circumcision. And let's, let's think about how circumcision was the covenant sign of God's people. The way that you knew that you belonged to God uh, as a Jew was circumcision. Or that you lived in the house of one who was circumcised. Um, that was the covenant. That was the, um, the marker. Uh, that was the calling card. Sounds very intimate uh, to us. Uh, not very tasteful. Yet that was what God chose for His people. That was, that was the sign. And we could go a lot into why, why exactly that was. We don't need to in this session. What we need to say is that uh, what they were saying, uh, these teachers that came behind Paul, who challenged his uh, apostleship, I mean, in order to, to, to uh, further their own message, they said, well, Paul called himself an apostle, but you know, he wasn't with Jesus. The apostles are, are, are Peter and James and John and Philip and Thomas and, and those folks. Um, Paul is, he, he, I mean, he's a great man and, and, um, and, and means well, but he's not an apostle. And therefore, what you need to understand is that, um, uh, is that you should be circumcised. Jesus was circumcised as a good Jew, and, and you, as, as one who is following the Jewish Messiah, you should be uh, circumcised as well, because that is how you know you're part of God's covenant family you can see that that's a pretty compelling argument given, um, given their time. It may not seem as compelling to us, um, as important to us, but religiously for them. Well, gosh, I mean, that makes good sense. I mean, I, here I am, a, a, a Greek person, a Gentile, and I am um, putting my faith in the Jewish Messiah, and the Jewish Messiah has... Uh, it's, it's fulfilled the law, and the law says that, that I should be circumcised in order to know that I'm part of the family. It makes good sense. The premise that Paul is advocating for is that if you add anything to Jesus in order to, pro- to claim your salvation, you get far, far less than Jesus. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Right? But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. There's a book by that title. It's a good, good book. That guy has actually since had a fall from grace. That's another title, another, another issue. But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. That's the premise. So you can see the accusation that Paul is combating uh, by just his, simply his uh, greeting. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man. No one came to me and said, Hey, Paul, you know, you'd make a good apostle. 
right? He wasn't sitting around in Antioch. He wasn't, he wasn't um, and, and somebody came out, he wasn't walking on the road to Damascus and somebody said, hey, man, turn from your sin. Uh, you know, he didn't meet Thomas or, or Peter on the road to Damascus. He met Jesus. God Himself appeared to him on high, the risen Christ. I did not become an apostle through men, uh, from men or, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. Right? So, the apostolic authority of Paul is rooted in Jesus and God the Father. God the Son, God the Father. That is where Paul says he gets his apostolic authority. That is complaint number one against him, that he addresses it right off the bat. He's writing to the churches of Galatia, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father. That's the gospel. That is the unqualified uh, gospel. That is, where does it originate from? From the same place His apostleship originates from. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostolic authority and the apostolic message are rooted in the gift of God. This is not Paul, Paul. What Paul will say is this is not man's gospel. Not a human invention. And he starts off immediately in this greeting. I didn't just appoint myself. I didn't just make this stuff up. Now he does say grace and peace to you. That's a, that's a very uh, normal, sort of formal greeting. Paul gives in all his writings, and that is actually the pattern of his letters. He typically starts with the first half of Paul's letters, grace. And then how do we apply that grace? A life of peace, right? Living into that grace. Grace and peace. So he's not just saying, hey, how are you? He's saying, I mean, it's, it's, um, he, he roots the letter in this greeting. Grace first and peace uh, how we live out our grace. So he wants them to have grace and peace you. It's a formal greeting. And yet he is saying that it is rooted in, uh, in the message. Uh, the, the message and the authority of his apostleship are rooted in the gift of God himself. They originated uh, from on high. This is the very thing that they have strayed from, the Galatians. This is this concise gospel. That Jesus gave Himself for the for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, and that is about as concise a gospel summary as you can get. So that's what that's the way Paul starts, and you can imagine people are settling in. Oh, we just got a letter from Paul. Everybody gather around. <laughs> And they've heard, you know, maybe they, maybe they got a copy of the letter uh, to the Philippians. And it's so, it's so warm. I love you guys. And they can't wait to hear what he has to say. Or maybe they're a little frustrated because they've heard this. Oh gosh, you know, our, our, these other teachers said that Paul uh, isn't all he's cracked up to be. Gotta let, maybe they're a little bit nervous. And Paul drops the gloves. I am astonished. That you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Isn't it interesting that Paul doesn't say, uh, I am astonished that you are so quickly departing from what I taught you. You, you guys, you, you've got it wrong what I said to you. No, he says you're departing from Him. It's personal. 
He is saying you've departed from God. By, by your, your, you've turned to a different gospel and therefore you've turned to a different God. That is an extraordinary statement. And you can see when I, I prayed, I, I said this is an explosive. This is not PC. Like, if we, we have to read this very quickly and move on to the fun stuff uh, further into the chapter, maybe just get to Philippians altogether. Um, in order, to, I mean, this, this is incredibly offensive in our own society. Uh, the way that we hold this today, where all truth is essentially relative, everyone wants to, uh, everyone is free to choose to believe what they want to believe, and one belief is just as good as the next. Because what we really want is a moral and just society. There is great value in a moral and just society. And I don't ever want to give the impression that we should not treat everyone, regardless of their belief, with the utmost dignity as a, someone who is created in the image of God. We love them. In the name of Jesus, we love them. We have got to be able to know what we believe without shunning other people or calling what we believe the same. It's important. You can walk that line, but it is, this is offensive. And some of you may be sitting here just going, gives me the creeps because you're saying that there's only one thing. And, but this is what Paul is saying. You have departed from God by turning aside in your theology. And, uh, and I am astonished. Um, this gospel, this, uh, you've turned from a different gospel. The, a gospel that is contrary to the one that I just outlined in the greeting. What did he say there? Christ gave Himself. In other words, this was not the Divine Son um, led against His will to the slaughter. He gave Himself. He willingly offered Himself. The will of Jesus was in perfect accord with the will of the Father. This was not a cruel Father uh, um, submitting His Son to sort of divine child abuse, as, as some have said. This is... God, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in perfect accord with one another, offering God the Son, offering Himself, taking upon Himself His own judgment. He gave Himself willingly. He gave Himself as a sacrifice. That's, that, there, there was a, there was a, um, a, a, the purpose of that was to fulfill the, the Old Testament sacrifice where the, we would put our hands upon or put our sin in, in, sort of in theory upon the lamb, the unblemished lamb. And, and they would be sacrificed and the people would be declared clean. This is the sacrifice. He is, that's why John the Baptist called Jesus uh, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Right? He's the, the ultimate sacrifice. So He gave Himself. He gave Himself for our sins. So it's not just um, global, cosmic for the sins of the whole world, but personally for our sins. Right? He gave Himself for the thing you did this morning. The thing I did this morning. Thought, word, and, and deed. He gave Himself for our sins. He gave Himself for our sins to deliver us. He went to the cross with a passion. 
uh, with a, I mean, with a purpose. And I remember this scene from the Passion uh, of the Christ. It's just a, if you remember the Mel Gibson movie, and there's just this little blip, but it has always stayed with me. When Jesus gets to the top of the hill and he and he falls over in exhaustion, he comes crashing down, and there's this just a tiny little clip where you see Jesus crawling towards the cross where any sane person will be running away as fast as they could, doing everything they could to get away from that, uh, that instrument of execution. Jesus is crawling towards it because He came to deliver us. He was not dragged there. He went on purpose to deliver us. Um, his sacrificial death for our sins represented an exchange, right? All sales were final, unconditional. Uh, nothing else is required. And that really is Paul's great burden. Because if you add anything to that gospel, then you're uh, denigrating the sacrifice that Jesus made. If you say, yes, Jesus' sacrifice and circumcision um, and baptism and um, a moral life and anything and tithing and church attendance, anything. If you're adding those things, and listen, everything I just listed was good, are good things. If you add them to salvation, you have denigrated the sacrifice that Jesus made. I am astonished, Paul says. You have departed, not from, not just from the way of thinking that I taught you. I'm, you hurt my feelings. You left Christ, Him. Because you have turned to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there's some who are troubling you. And they want to distort the gospel of Christ. This is Jesus' gospel. This, the, the theme of this, uh, the title we gave to this series, In Christ Alone. But even if we, Paul, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. Lord have mercy. People don't talk like that anymore, do they? I mean, there's a real sense of relief about that in some ways. Let him be, the Greek word is anathema. It's better. Unless, unless you're under that curse. Yeah. Let him be damned. Let him be, um, you know, what does Jesus do in his sacrifice? He removes the curse. And, and Paul is calling down a curse on those um, because they have pulled people away from the one who relieves the curse. <coughs> Jesus takes off the curse. And Paul is saying, for anyone who preaches the gospel, contrary to what we preach, let that person receive that curse. I mean, it calls me back to John 3.16, John 3.17, Whoever, um, uh, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But he who, had, who did not believe in Him already, uh, believe in Him is already condemned. We all, we don't, nobody holds up John 3.17 at, at the book. <laughs> Paul is so, let me, let, me, let me be very clear about this. Paul is not saying, you better get your doctrine right. I mean, he, I mean, he is saying that, but he, he's not saying it because he's... He, he's saying that because the doctrine is the doctrine of freedom. 
And if he says, if you submit yourselves to circumcision or whatever it is in, in your life, apart from the sacrifice of Christ, then, then you're not free. And you can't free yourself. Because if you're saying, I'm adding anything, then the law in its entirety is burdened upon us. That's what Jesus came for, is to give himself to deliver us from the present evil age. It's not time travel, right? But from the state of fallenness that precedes the return of Christ. That's, that's what he came for. So, you are, um, he says, I'm, you're so quickly deserting him who called you. Deserting, that, that word um, in Greek can mean uh, to transfer one's allegiance. Right? I, I, I'm a turncoat, I'm a spiritual turncoat. And um, the, the uh, theology is really summed up well uh, in Acts 15, uh, verse 1. Let me, let me read that for you. If you remember, uh, Acts 15 is the Jerusalem Council where they're really kind of getting to the heart of the matter of what, what the gospel is. It says, But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the Moses, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And the gospel is good news, and anything different from the gospel is not good news at all. And, G- and Paul says, um, Where's the word? Um, verse. Not that there is none, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So that word distort, um, metastrepho, it, it means uh, some of your translation may say to pervert the gospel, but it also means like to reverse, to turn around. They're back, they're they're reversing the gospel. It's not a gospel. It's it, it's going the complete wrong direction because Jesus plus anything equals nothing. It fundamentally changes the character of the gospel. To um, so that that's what's at, that's what's at stake. It's the character of the good news of God. John Stott says this. He says to make men's work necessary to salvation, even as a supplement to the work of Christ, is derogatory to His finished work, as if it were unsatisfactory. Pretty strong. So Paul pits himself against an angel. And pits himself against himself. Now you can kind of see Paul pitting himself against an angel, right? I mean, if we, we understand or there, we, our, our theology of the uh, angelic or the demonic or of Satan himself is that Satan was an angel who wanted to turn against God, so we can conceive of that. But I mean, Paul is saying any angel, I mean, Gabriel, Michael, anybody, if he's preaching one uh, a gospel other than what we preached, let them, I mean, go to hell. Let them, let them be accursed. But then Paul pits himself against himself. If Paul came and says, I've, I, actually guys, I, I've changed my mind. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, you know that, I, you do need to be circumcised. Paul is saying that if, it, if, if, if he made it up, that could happen, right? I mean, he could, if he's the guru, then he has the, the right to change. But he's not the guru. He's the messenger. He got it from God. It's not man's gospel. So anyone who tries to distort or reverse the gospel, let that person 
be accursed. Let me, I know you guys are kind of sitting there like, um, uh, is there uh, any questions? Or, we got about 10 more minutes. And I, want to, I want to just kind of build um, Paul's case for his own apostolic authority. But it, let me just see what, what you've got. Yeah, Susie. This happens to be the chapter that we're studying this week in it. And on the textbook that we had, they said, you know, describe Paul. These people that came in were considered super apostles. But they were great orators, and and Paul was probably may have had a, a speech impediment, may have been bow-legged, and they said he might have been four foot nine. So he wasn't this great package that these super apostles would probably Romans, and they're healthy and strong, and they have the power of oratories. But we don't know that. So what he ended up doing, like you said, is he denigrated himself. And he knew they weren't going to do that to themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think in doing that, he kind of forwarded his purpose. Well, yeah, and you can say, you can see, well, the guys, the people come in and say, well, Paul, I mean, of course Paul's going to, Paul wants, Paul's funny looking, and and, um, and he wants to, he wants to get you to like him. So, of course, he's going to tell you that you don't have to do anything to be saved, that you just have to trust in Jesus. How easy is that? He, Paul's just trying to get your affection. <coughs> Let him be accursed. Am I trying to please men now, Paul says? No. He says, if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. You, you can't do both. And let me tell you that. I mean, as a preacher, that's a hard thing. I, I want y'all to like me. I do. It's easy to avoid hard topics and to say things that are... I know what I mean, but you might not know what I mean, but I can say it in a way that you... It sort of affirms what you believe, so I can so I can get off the hook from the discomfort. Joe, yes. I know Paul traveled with lots of different people. Who is he referring to um, to the Galatians when he says we? Well, I, do you want specific names, or I mean, he did. Well, Luke, let's, I mean, Luke and Timothy and Titus and and. So uh, Epaphroditus. I mean, he had a company of folks that kind of came in and out, and he sent out. And so, yeah, but he he was always he never traveled alone. He was always, uh, except for Athens, and then <laughs> then they called him to another like Paul, stop. Um, so uh, and uh, but yeah, he so he had a I, who exactly? And now I have to tell you, I haven't read real closely to, to chapter six, and it may it may may say who that is because um, often he does. But we look and see. I don't think so, actually, as I just peruse it. So, Yeah, yeah, but it, his company. Does it depend on when you think this was written? Does it depend on when you think it's written? I don't know. It's probably written in 47. Um, no, I mean in the order of his letters. Oh, oh no, no, no. It probably wasn't written. I'm sorry, it was not written in 47. I'm getting my events mixed up. It's probably written in the 60s, but um, I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I don't know what's behind the, that in... in he was. It was probably later in his ministry. Well, he he planned. So it's at least after he's moved on from the second and second missionary journey when he planted his churches. Yeah, Ted. Oh, and then ML. Good. The, the modern church has has uh, all sorts of add-ons to. To the gospel. For example, some people would say that your religious experience isn't complete unless you go to Corsillo. And it's almost as if to imply that what the church 
Well, we know that. Yes. Well, real Christians go to Garcia. We know, but um, the um, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, just, if we are, if we, um, if we, Garcia is a wonderful thing. It's a great way to get a blessing. And if you, I, I, I can probably, we can probably still get you in uh, in, in uh, March 16, 17, 18. We'd love for you to go. It is not required. Right. It is a good thing, but it is not required. There is, there's no requirement other than Jesus and what he's done. But there's all sorts of things. You know, it's, um, that's, this is the reason why I sort of find myself as a low churchman, uh, not doing the incense and the bells and all things, because I try to, I tend to say, well, I got to get that right. And if I, then I, I, just in my own heart and mind, I start adding that stuff and I feel good about myself and I look down on people who don't do it right. I eat the way I do it. <laughs> so. But what about when you say, and everyone says, um, I'm playing devil now, <coughs> communion, all baptized Christians, that kind of makes it sound like and you have to go through the ritual of baptism before you can take You don't have to be baptized to be saved. You don't have to get communion to be saved. But in order to participate in the feast, you it's uh, baptism is the, is the, um, Demonstration of your faith, an outward sign. I mean, the inward reality is what important. ML, you've been waiting very patiently. If you read the last book in the Bible, uh-huh. Revelation yes. 22, 18, that's the strongest warning that can ever be written. And it's exactly what Paul was saying, that whatever you do, take away or add to, mm-hmm. All of those things will be your reward. Right. And God help you because He is not there for you at that time. Well, so, so there's there's this dual thing. I mean, you, you, ML, if you couldn't hear, ML said um, the last verse of the Bible. The Bible. Um, Twenty-two eighteen. Twenty-two eighteen is not exactly the last verse, but right right at the, at the end is uh, says don't better, nobody better add any words to this book. Right. Again, it's a warning, but it's all—it's a warning because you're taking—we're taking away our, our freedom. It's—it's—it's it's, it's because of how good the other is. It's not because we're mad and power hungry and we don't want anybody. To, it's because the gospel is—is is the gospel. It's the good news. Let me uh, let me just work through. We just got a couple minutes. If we if you uh, so you turn over on, on and this is what Paul says, and it seems a little bit. Boring, but Paul, boring, but Paul is um, is establishing his own authority. So go down to verse, and this is something I, I, John Piper. Um, I, 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 there's a lot of things. I don't know if you know John Piper. I like some of the things John Piper says. He's a, a very gifted preacher. I don't like some of the things he says. Um, but I heard him preach on this on this passage, and he um, did something very helpful. And uh, where he demonstrates how to watch Paul build his argument. And so actually what he's, he says, actually going in reverse. And so the, <clears throat> what, if you look at verse 15, he says, But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was, re- was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And what do you say? I was called before I was born. God, it, it, it was not plan B where, where, um, where 
where God said, well, gosh, Peter's not doing the job. I've got I to find somebody with some education. <laughs> he was set apart from before he was born, which means God allowed him, held off in pulling him to himself until after he had been persecuting the church. And certainly God redeemed those, those folks who uh, suffered under his, his work. But Paul's saying, I, this was always God's plan. It was always God's plan. So look right above that. So understanding that, that God revealed himself um, to Paul because he had set him apart from before he was born. Verse 13, you know about my former life. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age and among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. And, um, and Paul is saying, I, this, is, this road that I am on now, the road that I'm preaching about the gospel of God, is not the road I was heading on. And it's not that my conscience was just plaguing me. It's that God grabbed me. <laughs> And picked me up and took up residence within me. There is nothing I could have done to create what I am now. Paul is saying. I was an all-star heading down the complete opposite road. For I would have you know, brothers, so up again. Um, again what, what, um, sorry, what verse 13 is the proof of is verse 12. I didn't receive it from any man. I wasn't taught it. I, uh, I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And in fact, what he says later in the chapter is that after, after I was, uh, he, he, God revealed Himself, He said, I didn't consult with anyone. I didn't go to Jerusalem. I went to the desert. And I spent three years there. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't go and, and I didn't learn this from Peter. I didn't learn. I learned it from Jesus, who revealed Himself to me. Now, you and I can't say that we are not apostles, right? You can't say, "Listen, God told me that you." I mean, like Christians try that sometimes, you know. When and I typically like to say, when somebody says to you, "Listen, I got to speak the truth to you in love," like run, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, God told me to tell you something that is. Very rare. And, and you should, whatever, when somebody says that to you, you should take that to Scripture and see if it lines up. Right? But Paul is inspired. Paul is an apostle. We have the letter to the, um, we don't have the letter that he talks about to the Laodiceans. Right? Wasn't inspired. We don't have it. God didn't preserve that. But, but God's work through Paul was, was inspired. His gospel is true. That's why he can, Defended with such urgency. So I didn't receive it from any, any man. Even when I went to, to meet with Peter, I was just there for a couple of weeks. I didn't see any. I, I saw James, the Lord's better, brother, but not the son of Zebedee. Um, I, I didn't. Uh, and and they, they glorified God because of me. They, they, I mean, I'm, what I'm teaching is in accord with what they're teaching. I, I didn't get this from them, though. Isn't it amazing that what I got from Jesus and what they got from Jesus, we didn't, we didn't share notes, but it ended up being the same. That's what Paul's saying. This is not man's gospel. That's what that proves. 
I didn't get it from them. I got, I, it was revealed to me, for I would have you know, verse 11, that the gospel that's preached to me is not man's gospel. Which says what? It is of divine origin and then principally and chiefly to be trusted above all else. Because it sets you free. It sets you free. Again, I want to emphasize, I want to emphasize, if someone doesn't believe what you believe, you must love them. And you're not going to argue them into the kingdom. Uh, you must love them. It, you, this, it, that's what the gospel allows you to do, is to love them. That's why we say, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, right? It's not because we think all, things, all truths are the same. It's that we believe that the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins, nothing else, is the only thing that gives us life and sets us free. And Paul is so urgently concerned for their souls. Lots to be said. I'm a little excited about it. Um, so, let me pray. I wish there could be, we could talk about this forever, but i got to go to church. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your gospel. And just by your grace, God, would you just reveal to us if there's places where we're adding or putting our identity in things that we, that are, um, that we must have in addition to your gospel, that you, we might hold those things lightly um, so that we may cling only to you. Uh, thank you that you're clinging to us. And that is the sum of our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father.